Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. Well, you're probably hearing a lot of fireworks going off, not only for the 4th of July, but also in the church, actually in the church and our nation, individually and together. The fireworks recently have been about this whole topic of the Eucharist and who is worthy and how are we worthy, who is not worthy and how are we not worthy. Should we ever deprive anyone of the Eucharist? Do we ever excommunicate anybody? These are hot topics, and a lot of fireworks are surrounding this topic today. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the liturgy, as always, to get some clarity about this issue. And it's a big issue. I'm finding that a lot of people are actually not very well educated or aware of Eucharistic theology and what the church really has to say, how to approach it, how not to approach it. It's not their fault. We're living in a time when, well, we missed out on a lot of good catechesis. And also, as always, the church and the church's teaching often gets misinterpreted, commandeered, and misinterpreted, or mixed up, or confused, and, or misrepresented. So we're going to try to clarify those things by, as always, going into the liturgy. In particular, it's the Byzantine liturgy, the divine liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, to be specific, and all that surrounds it. The way that we approach the Eucharist is a way in which it would make sense that someone is proclaimed to not be worthy of it or should not receive it. See, it works like this. The Eucharist, or in other words, Holy Communion, think of that word, communion, meaning together, a community of persons. We are all together. When you're a community, that means you ascribe to what that community is, what it professes, its charism, its vision. You are part of the team, which presumes that you embrace everything that the team is about, that the vision, the charism is about. Otherwise, you wouldn't be part of the team. You wouldn't be in that community. So whenever we receive Holy Communion, what's happening is we are not only receiving the body and blood of Christ, grafting our own very nature onto the nature of Christ himself, that intimate union, not only is that happening, but we are 
also, in a sense, grafting ourselves onto one another. In other words, we're becoming one body. We don't lose our individuality, but like the Trinity, we're individual persons, always yet one body, just as the Trinity is one God. So there is a sense of being part of a community that is essential to the meaning of the Eucharist. The Eucharist is not just about getting Jesus. It's not like a vending machine, you know, put your envelope in the collection basket, pull the lever, and you get Jesus. It's not a thing. It's not a token. It's not like a vaccination shot or a medicine or some kind of little magic potion. It's not something we get or that we're entitled to. A Eucharist is so much more than that. Yes, we receive it, but what are we receiving? We are receiving the body and blood of Jesus Christ, his blood, soul, divinity, body. In other words, his real presence. God is truly present, truly present in the form of the bread and wine. In exchange, we offer ourselves to Christ. But in offering ourselves to Christ, it presumes that we believe in Christ and we believe in his church because the church is the mystical body of Christ on earth. So to be a part of the church is to be part of the body of Christ. To be part of the body of Christ means to live the life of Christ. It means to embrace what Jesus Christ is and all that he taught and stood for. Communion is our intimate union with God and with the members of the community, the body of Christ on earth. Let's take an analogy. Let's say you're a member of a sports team a baseball team, for example, and your team is a winning team and you're on that team. You wear the uniform, you get the same salaries, other players and so on. But you also decide that it's okay for your opponents to cheat against your team or to do things that, well, they play dirty. The pitcher's going to throw the ball at the batter, a brushback pitch, as they say. And you're not only going to approve of that, but you're going to help the other team do that while still claiming to be on your own team. Now, wouldn't you say that that person who would do that isn't really part of the team, that that person really does not deserve to wear the same uniform or to share in the same championship, you know, carry the same trophy as other team members if that team wins the championship, the World Series? There'd be a real disconnect between the reality of the team and that person. That person is on the team, but they're really not part of a team. Well, it's the same thing with the church. The church does not, in a sense, excommunicate people. It does technically, but not really. What's really going on is this. The person, by their own choosing, especially if it is in a public way, proclaims, makes the proclamation, the example, that they are in some way out of sync with the church, the community with what the community believes. For example, the great controversy now are politicians who are Catholic, claim to be Catholic, and even go to church, but they ascribe to a woman's choice to abort her child. And they even facilitate that being able to happen through legislation and so on. In other words, they're helping that to happen, to make sure that a woman has that freedom and right to destroy her baby in her womb. Well, the Catholic Church would say that that is wrong, as a Catholic, you cannot ascribe to that. And if you do, you're out of the church. In other words, you're out of communion. That's what excommunication means. It means you set yourself outside of the community of believers who believe in this particular way. It has nothing to do with politics. Just because it happens to overlap, the person is a politician, doesn't really 
mean anything except a coincidence. The point is that person who claims to be Catholic is claimed then by the Catholic Church in a sense of being called to be honest and responsible to what Catholic means. And if you are incongruent with that in a major way, then you have set yourself outside of the community. Therefore, you are excommunicated. And whenever the the church pronounces an excommunication on somebody, it's actually a form of compassion and honesty. They're simply acknowledging what that person has chosen, but they excommunicate them in a way to hopefully help bring them back that maybe they'll feel the longing or the pain of being out of communion and know that it is better to be in communion and repent of their ways. But it starts with that person, not the church. Now, what we can do is to understand how to approach the Eucharist is we can go, as always, to the church, the liturgy of the church, the art, the architecture, the prayer, the gestures, everything about the church will actually communicate to us about Holy Communion. And there are many ways in which we excommunicate ourselves. Maybe not officially where the church makes a pronouncement, but just by our general unworthiness, our general sinfulness. You may remember, probably you're not old enough to remember, I am, that it was urged and practically a rule that you didn't go to Holy Communion on Sunday unless you went to confession the day before or sometime before, a day or two before, especially on Saturday. Yes, in fact, in some churches, like many Orthodox churches, that is still the rule. You don't go to Holy Communion unless you went to confession. Now, why would that be? That means you go to confession practically every week. Why would that be a rule? Because of what communion is. There are many ways in which we separate ourselves from the body, from Holy Communion, by our sin. There are different distances by which we separate ourselves. There can be a major distance by doing a very serious sin, one that really strikes against what the church teaches and stands for, and therefore against God. And there's also various lesser levels of sin. But they all, in a sense, separate us a bit from God in a little way or a major way. And that makes us less worthy or less, or makes it less appropriate or honest for us to approach the Eucharist, which is about intimacy with God. And so we go to confession. The prayers before we receive Holy Communion in both the Latin Rite Church and in the Eastern Churches speak very straight, very clearly about repentance, begging God to make us worthy to receive. We come to Holy Communion as a sinner, as a beggar. We've tried to prepare ourselves to get rid of a lot of our sin through confession and repentance and the prayers before communion, but we're still sinners but we're worthy enough to at least receive. But if we're committing a sin or if we're advocating, standing for, promoting anything that is in a major way against the teaching of the church, then it is only honest for us to abstain from receiving the Holy Communion unless we've gone to confession and we're going to make amends and change our way. In other words, we're going to reconcile with the church. And the liturgy of the church teaches us this. It gives us the correct posture. A lot of people are very confused today as to when can I go to communion or why can't I? Why can't everybody? Isn't it something good for us? Why deprive someone of something so life-giving and vital as the body and blood of Jesus Christ? That's a good question. And we're going to answer that when we come back by looking at the liturgy of the church. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church. We need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com.
That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. New from EWTN Publishing, Jesus, the Master Psychologist. Listen to him by Dr. Ray Garendi. In these pages, Dr. Ray explores the teachings of both modern psychology and Jesus Christ to identify the therapy tools worth employing and those we should avoid. He helps us understand that every tool and counseling guideline worth pursuing can find its roots directly in the words of Christ. Dr. Ray's experience as a father of 10 and his mastery of the New Testament enable him to provide recommendations for dealing with numerous daily issues, including transforming your natural qualities into supernatural qualities, methods for overcoming jealousy and other passions, the rearing and benefits of raising problem children, and many others. Jesus, the Master Psychologist. Listen to him by Dr. Ray Garendi. Available now at EWTNRC.com. By Catholic, shop EWTNRC.com. This is Archbishop Salvatore Cordiglione of the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and you are listening to Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. Welcome back to Lay of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lay, your host, and I want to wish everyone a happy and blessed and safe 4th of July. As I mentioned, there's a lot of fireworks going on today, but fireworks going on today in the church, in their society, and between the church and society over this issue of Eucharist and communion and excommunication. But let's look at the liturgy of the church to get our answers. That's where we get answers for everything. That's the blueprint. First of all, the structure of the church itself, the very layout of the church when it's classically designed like many Byzantine churches are by nature. There's different zones. There's the vestibule, the narthex, the nave, and then there's the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies is set apart from the rest of the church by a curtain oftentimes and definitely by an icon screen. In the Latin Rite church, there was oftentimes a communion rail that separated the sanctuary from the nave. In earliest times in the Latin Rite Church, there was also a curtain that went around the altar, around the what's called the baldacchino, a little structure over the altar. So communion rails, icon screens, veils, there was always a separation between the Holy of Holies and the rest of the church. That goes all the way back to the Old Testament times because the Holy of Holies, the tabernacle, was the holiest place 
where the bride Israel would meet the bridegroom Yahweh in the holiness of that part of the temple. Well, our churches, our Christian churches, which are actually called temples, especially if they celebrate liturgy or the mass in them, because that's what a temple is. A temple is where sacrifice is offered. And it is offered in Orthodox and Catholic churches in the church, which is a temple. As we offer that in the Holy of Holies, being set off in the rest of the nave, that highlights the fact that there's something very, very special here, present in that part of the church. On the altar of Eastern churches is the tabernacle. It's always there, always there on the top of the altar, the main altar of sacrifice in Eastern churches. Inside the tabernacle, of course, is the presence of Christ in the Eucharist, in the consecrated bread. And as the liturgy progresses, there is a kind of a flow, a rhythm that goes from the sanctuary into the nave at times, different processions, or the priest turns towards the people. Normally, he's facing east, as we all are in the liturgy, but he turns towards the people, moves towards them out from the icon screen, and offers them a blessing, the Eucharist, or the Word of God. It's always when he's giving something to the congregation, something life-giving, that he turns towards them and acts in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. Otherwise, he faces the altar and at the same time is representing the bride coming into the sanctuary to await the meeting of the bridegroom Christ in the Eucharist. Now, the rest of the church has throughout it, on the walls, the ceilings, floor to ceiling, has the sense of the sacred. So the whole church becomes this, in a sense, throne or its own kind of tabernacle in a broader sense for the presence of the Eucharist. And the divine office of the church, the vespers, the matins, all the prayers of the church are like a buildup to the Eucharist. That's why on weekends, the proper rhythm of prayer in Eastern churches is vespers on Sunday evening, matins or morning prayers on Sunday morning, and that is followed by the divine liturgy. Like everything becomes summarized, brought to completion in the Eucharist. And so everything revolves around that. It's a build-up to that. And we're asked to fast before we receive the Eucharist. It used to be you had to fast from the night before. That's been shortened a bit, but you can still fast from the time of the evening vesper service until the reception of Eucharist if you can or wish. But you have to fast at least an hour before receiving the Eucharist. All of that is giving us a sense of something very, very special, that we just aren't marching up there and getting something that we're entitled to, that there has to be a process, a stage being set that is indicative of the holiness of the Eucharist. The entire church, the architecture, the incense, everything is dedicated to giving us the sense of the holiness of the Eucharist, which resides there on the altar and which we will also receive at the divine liturgy. And when we approach the Eucharist, we take the posture really of a beggar. And in fact, during the prayers that precede our reception of the Eucharist, we say in the Latin Rite Church, Lord, I am not worthy to receive thee, for you to come under my roof. Only say the word, my soul shall be healed. So you see, we proclaim our worthiness right there, just before we receive Eucharist, and ask God to make us worthy. That's who makes us worthy. None of us is worthy or entitled to the Eucharist. No one is. Even when God makes us worthy, we still have imperfections, but God makes us worthy enough. We also become worthy through the sacrament of confession, as we mentioned earlier. But we beg Christ to forgive our sins to make us worthy to receive the Eucharist. In the Eastern churches, in the Byzantine church, the prayer before the Eucharist, we say this, 
Accept me today as a partaker of your mystical supper, O Son of God, for I will not reveal your mystery to your enemies, nor will I give you a kiss as a Judas. But like the thief, I profess you. Like the thief, we call ourselves a thief. And we say this at the very beginning of the prayer, O Lord, I believe and profess that you are truly Christ, the Son of the living God, who came into the world to save sinners, of who I am the first. That's right. We name ourselves. Each one of us is naming ourselves as the worst sinner. Why? We might look at somebody and say, well, I'm not like that guy. I'm not like those murderers and people on the news I hear about. I'm better than that. We can't say that because we don't know the culpability. We can't judge anyone's soul, except we know the best, our own soul. Not completely, God knows it the best, but the best we can do in terms of human beings is to know our own soul, our own sinfulness. And that's the only sin that we can really point to and know for sure, our own sins. And so we say that I am the first. It's also taken from the epistle to Timothy, that phrase, as Many of our scriptural phrases are, they're actually phrases or paraphrases from the scripture. But before receiving communion, we tell ourselves that we are like a thief and that we are the first among sinners. And as we come forward, we come forward reverently in the Eastern churches, many Eastern churches, we stand because that is the posture of reverence, standing like, in a sense, like at attention. But we come forward after having said this beautiful, meaningful, penitential prayer, and we receive Holy Communion from on high. It gets passed down from on high, from the altar, from Jesus Christ to the priest, and even the deacon receives the Eucharist from the priest. He just doesn't take it himself. He receives it from on high. The Eucharist is a gift that we receive from on high. It is not just a token that we're all entitled to. We all get one since something that's handed out. It is something that we have to come forward and be worthy of, consistent of, consistent with what the Eucharist means and what the church says and teaches, the life of the church. So the Eucharist is passed down from the priest to the deacon and then to the people it's passed down from on high, from the, from the hieratic position, which further emphasizes our own unworthiness, our lowliness before the Eucharist. Now, we don't like hearing this. We're not used to thinking of ourselves in these terms because we have this big push for equality, nothing and nobody is better than I am, we're all equal, all the same. That is not true. There's a hierarchy even in heaven. There's a hierarchy on earth. There's always and everywhere we go. Look at where you work. Isn't there a boss? Isn't there senior management or the highest management, then the middle management, then the workers, and so on? There's always some kind of hierarchy in life. Yes, we're equal in our dignity and worth as human beings, but we're not all equal in every way. And we have to beg God to help us to become all equally receptive and predisposed to the Eucharist. We call that being enough in a state of grace. Yes, we're not perfect, but we are sufficiently in a state of grace. In the Eastern churches, we distribute communion in both species. We use leavened bread, and that leavened bread, consecrated, is put in the chalice with the consecrated wine, the precious blood of Christ. It's cut into particles, look like almost like little croutons, and the priest or deacon distributing the Eucharist takes a single spoon, puts it in the chalice, picks up a piece of the consecrated bread that is soaked in the consecrated wine, in other words, the body and blood of Christ, and you simply tilt your head back while standing, open your mouth widely, and the priest or deacon drops the Eucharist in your mouth. And it's very simple. You don't have to say amen or extend your tongue. He just drops it in your mouth. And he does so by doing this. He'll say, if he knows your name, the servant of God, 
Joseph, for instance, partakes of the precious most holy body and blood of our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ for the mission of his sins and for life everlasting. Amen. It does that for each communicant, especially if he knows your name. You can whisper your name to them, to the priest or deacon as you approach Eucharist, if you'd like to have him say your name. Otherwise, he just says that verse without your name. When we return then to our place in church after receiving communion, and there are beautiful, deep, rich communion prayers, which give all kinds of thanks to God in a great sense of humility. And so the Eucharist is something that we approach only because God makes us worthy and because we live a life consistent with what that community is and believes. We live a life that is consistent with God's teaching and God's will. That is how we approach the Eucharist. No one is entitled, and there are things that we can do or not do that do in fact separate us from receiving the Eucharist. Look no further than the liturgy itself, the church, its art, its architecture, its liturgy. You'll always find your answers. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. from around the world as it happens religious liberty immigration prayer plus daily reports from the white house capitol hill and rome get the catholic news perspective on the things that impact your life on the ewtn global catholic radio network thank you for listening next week we will return to the light of the east to learn more about annunciation byzantine catholic parish visit our website byzantinecatholic.com where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road. Homer Glen, Illinois, or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!